Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Could you stand just for a minute? I, I want to read the... Man, y'all having more fun than know what to do with. I want to read a text, uh, a little bit of scripture, and we're just going to honor his word by standing here. Um, it is 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. I'm going to speak to you today. Uh, we're just going to call this clean flesh. Clean flesh. We all want clean flesh. And I want to talk to you about that. We're going to look at a biblical story in 2 Kings. 2 Kings 5, 1. Now Naaman... That's this guy's name, okay? Captain of the host. He's a a captain of the king of Syria. Was a great man with his master. Honorable man. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. The Lord was with him. He was also a mighty man in valor. But he was a leper. Turn around and say, but he was a leper. I got one other thing I want you to tell somebody. Say this, but he had a flesh problem. Tell somebody that. The problem is flesh. 2 Kings 5, 9 through 14 reads as this. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha, this is the prophet, sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh, that flesh problem you got, shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. You're going to be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He He was angry. He's mad. And went away and said this, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Man, he wanted to show. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and they come up to Naaman and said, Listen, Naaman, they spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? Like, what's your problem? Verse 14, then went he down, dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Somebody say clean flesh. God bless you so much. You may be seated. I want to kind of teach to you a little bit today, preach to you a little bit of the same, a little little bit of each. We call that treaching. All right, so let's talk to you a little bit here. Let's talk to you a bit here. Naaman, Naaman had a flesh issue, this disease of his flesh. And as people, we struggle with the same thing. We struggle in our flesh, this thing called flesh. Man, it gives us fits, doesn't it? The Bible says that it's one of the three big sins. Every sin that you deal with in life falls into three categories. It's either the lust of the eye, the pride of life, or the lust of the flesh. So this flesh thing, the struggle we have, the flesh, made up one of the big three. And we have this craving inside of us to satisfy our flesh. And if we... if if we would just, if we could just die, we wouldn't have problems with this anymore. That's how. That's, if you want to conquer it, but you're you're alive, and as long as you're alive, you're going to have flesh issues. And leprosy, leprosy is a flesh issue, and leprosy is a type. If we could type it or parallel it with something in the Word of God. It would be like sin because sin is a struggle with our our flesh nature. And so we will go out of our way 
and we'll go out, we'll leave our head behind us to make sure that our flesh is satisfied. I, I, I really, be honest with you, as, as a pastor, I wish the Lord would have given us this promise, that when we were saved, that he would take care of our flesh issue and we wouldn't ever have to deal with that again. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, just like, man, we wouldn't have to deal with our flesh again, and, but we, we have to trust in God. Man, what's up with that? We have to walk in the way of the Lord. It's like, it's like one day this little, this little boy named Richard, his mom said, son, as soon as school is over today, I want you to come immediately home. I do not want you to go to the baseball, baseball field today. I, I don't want you to do it. And Richard decided, decided when he was leaving the house to carry his baseball glove with him just in case he was tempted. That's, that's kind of the way we do it, isn't it? We, we know what we should do, but we don't do it because we, we're in this wrestling match, and so I'm, I'm just going to bring the baseball glove just in case we kind of drag that along with us. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're in the garden. This is getting close to the crucifixion, and a lot is going on right here. And he said, hey, I want you all to pray with me for a little bit. In fact, it says, Matthew 26, 41, he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. You know, watch and pray with me so you don't be fall into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. Your spirit's going to want to do this, but your flesh is weak. I'm going to read the same text out of the message Bible. We're going to look at that because it breaks it down really, really easy for us. It says this, stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't enter into the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything that you can do in God, anything in God. But another part is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Boy, is that the truth. That's the truth. Martin Luther said it this way one time. He said, he said this, don't sit near the fire if your head is made of butter. That's good stuff right there. Think that through. I mean, we could do a series on that one. Don't sit by the, but we do that. We, we kind of sit next to the fire knowing that we've got these issues, but we get as close as we can and we let, we play around with temptation. We play around with sin sometimes and we, we, we want, because we want to satisfy this thing called flesh. The prophet said, so what I want you to do, I know you have a flesh issue. I know you've got this disease in your flesh. And this is how it's going to be handled. I, I want you to go down and I want you to dip seven times in the river Jordan. And if you do that, you're going to have clean flesh. That's what I want you to do. And I want to talk to us today here for the next few minutes because we have a strong parallel in our lives as Naaman had and his struggle to get this clean flesh. And if I parallel it in our day and the things that we wrestle with, we so struggle with some of the same things that Naaman wrestled with. And so I'm going I'm to walk through seven things that Naaman walked through that I think we're walking through in this struggle to have clean flesh. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm not going to finish this message today. This is going to be a two-part series. So if you're a guest, guess what? You're going to have to come back next week. It's required to go to heaven. Isn't that good? And, and I want you to get the second part of this, but today we're going to talk about four of the seven things that Naaman, four of these dips that he took in the River Jordan and the process and kind of parallel them with us having clean flesh because we all want our flesh to be clean. The first dip that we're going to look at today, the first thing we're going to talk and parallel with is the first dip to have clean flesh is dealing with our pride. 
Everyone in this room at some time or the other has dealt with something in our pride. And the Bible says that he was captain of the host. I read it to you slowly earlier that you would hear this. He was captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a mighty man of valor. When they called for battle, he was courageous. He, he stepped into battle and he led the charge. He had a lot of stars on his jacket. He was, he, he, he was an officer. He was a captain. He but we also find that he was eat up with himself. So much to the point that he was willing to walk away instead of getting his healing because his pride was eating him up. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to have clean flesh in the church of the living God, we're going to have to walk in humility. We're going to have to take a dip. We're going to have to get this pride thing dealt with us in our spirit if we're going to have clean flesh. And humility is, is, is such a tricky, tricky thing to pursue. It's a virtue that's really gained by not seeking it. It's, it's, it's almost like humility, the more you chase after humility, the more you deal with pride. <laughs> it's a funny little thing. In fact, if you ever hear anybody in the church say, Man, I'm going to tell you, I am a humble person. You're going, I hear the issue. I hear the issue. Because the more we seem to pursue, pursue humility, the more we focus on ourselves, which is pride. And so it's, we get catch in this 22 situ, catch 22 situation that, the more we, it just seems to elude us. And, 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 and I, I remember early on in my ministry, I had people every once in a while, you have, you have people tell you positive things and, and negative things, but, you know, the negative things you, you struggle with, the positive things you're like, oh, speak to me one more again. Could you tell me that one more time? <laughs> but I, I would have on occasion people come up to me and, 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 and I traveled a lot and, and people would say, boy, that was an awesome message. That was the best message I ever... I'm, not, I'm only going to tell you about these, okay? I'm not going to tell you about the other one. These were... These were that was amazing, man. That message... That, blah, 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 blah. And man, I appreciate it. It's a blessing to me. But I'm, early on in my ministry, I, I kind of worked this trying to chase after humility and, 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 and got caught with it. I, 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 would, I would say things like this. Oh, it wasn't me. It was all the Lord. I want to give the Lord praise. It was all Him. It wasn't me. And they're looking at me going, okay, I get it, knucklehead. I'm just trying to tell you you did a good job. You know, we know that God's the head honcho. We know God's His Word. They were just wanting to compliment. So I handle that thing a little bit different now. So if somebody comes up to me and, it says, man, you did a great job. I don't go through all the rigmarole of what I'm going to call false humility and deflecting, trying to, trying to work so hard. I'm trying to work so hard. I've got to be humble. I've got to be humble. And in the process, I've got to be humble. I st- stumbled into some more weirdness with the flesh. <laughs> so now here's what I do. We walk up and say, Pastor, you did a great job. That was a great message. I go, thank you so much. I said, man, I really enjoyed preaching today. Pastor, that's kind of holding all. You think you're all that. No, I was just try, tired of having this front and working so hard to be humble that it gets weird and it turns out to be this kind of funky, false humility stuff. Just be real. Can I just talk today? Just, just be real. Just be real. It's okay. God had to use a man and he used you today. He may use somebody else next week. Enjoy it while it's there. You know what I mean? Brandon Pippen is great at some things. And I, if I, every time I walked up to him, he deflected it and all kind of weirdness. I, you may tell you what, I'm not going to tell him again. It's, it's just too much work and I should have went and told the Lord. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say, thank you so much. Man, that's a blessing to me. You're going to get enough junk in your life. It's all right to 
But I'll tell you this, then I learned at the end of the day, after it's over on Sunday and I've gotten through and I've heard the criticism and I've heard the praise, it's good to just get at the end of the day and say, Lord, it's just me and you now and I'm not going to let this get stuck between my two ears. I'm going to give all this praise and I'm going to give it back to you. Is that all right? Now, what do I mean by that? Humility is a way of life. You live humility. You take up a spirit of humility. Have I, do I feel like I have attained it? Oh, God, I better not say that I have. But I'm in the process like you, and we've got to take another dip, and we've got to let ourselves walk in that promise. C.S. Lewis said this, a really humble man, when you have been in his presence, all you remember is that he was a cheerful, intelligent Man that took interest in what you said to him. Man, that's so good. And, and I, I, I have a, a friend this week that turned 50, Andy Smith. He's preached here a number of times. And, and I, I told him that in my text this week. I said, Andy, I, I, you're such a, a man of humility. And the reason I know that is because every time I talk to you, you make me feel better about myself. Why is that? He's a sharp, he's an intelligent man, but he's not there to lift up and puff up and tell you all these stories about how great he is. He's there to say, hey man, talk to me. What's going on with your life? And I always leave better after talking to Andy, and I know he's a man of humility, and I told him that this week. Don't you, have you ever been around people that, that, that the whole time you're talking to them, they're looking off somewhere else, trying to find somebody else more popular than you to talk to? That's what I feel. I was sitting at a table this week and I had a minister ask me a question and I started to respond to him and while I was responding, he started looking off and it hit me. He's not listening to me. And I thought, I'm just going to quit talking and see if he recognizes it. He never even noticed. I'll keep my story to myself, bless God. I just got quiet. You know what? He had his interest somewhere else. He was looking off. It told me, you're more caught up in yourself than you were really to ask me a question and hear about my story. Now, humility is throwing oneself away in complete concentration to someone or something else. It's putting your phone down. It's looking them in the eye and saying, there's nothing more important right now than you. It's making my wife feel like she's incredibly important. And by, when she speaks to me, I put my phone down. I put my iPad down. Pastor, do you do this every time? No, I'm preaching to myself. I'm taking a dip, okay? Get over it. I got to preach to myself. But I'm saying, listen, Adina, I'm focused on your needs. I'm focused. I love you. And that's humility. It's a way of life. Is that okay? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Can you do that? And if you struggle with pride... If you struggle with pride, let me give you a couple things that you can do just real easy. Number one is look upward. Let praise constantly be on your lips. When you're riding in the car, talk about the goodness of God. You don't quit praise when when the praise singers walk off the, the platform. You praise Him all week long. It's on your lips. In other words, you're always in this spirit that had it not been for Jesus. But it's a way of life. It's not just after a statement. It's a way of life. And so always looking upward who, to the one who is the author and the finisher of my faith. And the second one is to look outward. Look outward. And in other words, turn your attention to others. Look to others' needs. Quit focusing on self. The spiritual discipline of secret service is the best way to cure a pride attack. Join the secret service. Become an agent of secret service that you, that you, in the process of loving on people, you don't have to be patted on the back. You don't have to be, have great, uh, you know, uh, pray. Just, just, you just serving to serve, and it's a, it's a cure. It's a dip for your pride. It's a process to help you. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but what honor shall uphold the humble in spirit? All right, enough of that. Second dip, second dip, second thing that Naaman went down, and it, it, not just one dip is going to clean your flesh, but there's some more things you got to deal with here, Naaman. The second dip is a thing called, I'm going to call it envy. And it was something that Naaman was struggling with. 
Envy, envy, envy. He said in this in verse 11, he said, I thought he would come out to me. Talking about Elisha. In other words, did he, did he not see my jacket? Did he not know who I am? Did he not realize I'm all that? Did he not, I thought he would come out to, to me. And envy is a brother to pride. And envy surfaced right at the beginning of human history with Cain and Abel. And we've got Abel, his sacrifice was accepted by God, but Cain's was not accepted by God, and Cain became envious of Abel's sacrifice, and he became envious of his brother. In fact, God even warned him about, about all this in Genesis 4, 7, before it all took place. He said, listen here, listen to this. Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Make sure you know. You, I mean, it's right there at your door, Cain. I'm going to tell you about this, but sadly, Cain murdered his own brother, Abel. And I want to make a statement to you, and I'd love for you to write this down. I'd love for you to write some of this stuff down because the stuff I'm going to talk to you this week and next week are just things that you can live. But listen to this. Envy, envy is always an issue between the brothers. Issue is an always, envy is always an issue with a brother. It's a brother issue. The only reason envy didn't start with Adam is because Adam didn't have a brother. Envy is usually not an issue between a father and a son relationship. My dad and I, that's a father and son, literally, through blood, that's a father and son relationship. But dad's not envious of me. My daddy wants me to be blessed. A.B. Kitty wants me to bless. If I get something, he's like, man, that's awesome. I love that, son. I love that the church is growing. I love that you're about to... I hear it almost every week. It's a father-son in a relationship. But do you know how many people that happens with? Not very many because so many are brothers and sister relationship, and we struggle with that there. I have a... a my, my, the one I call my pastor is Pastor Rex Johnson, and I, I, wish, I wish he could hear this, and I, I need to tell him this, that he, he is, he's one of the only people that I can say how many we had on Easter. It's a father-son relationship. Because I know many people, I would tell them, they'd say, well, he must be doing something wrong. It's a brother, brother relationship. And we struggle with envy. Instead of being a stumbling block, I talk to Father. I talk, to, I talk to the Rex Johnson. I talk to the A.B. Keating. I talk to the, because it brings out, when I speak, speak of brothers, it's much more than just siblings that I'm talking about. It's the sphere of influence. It's serving side by side by somebody on the dream team. It's working work with them together in Parkway Kids. It's, it's serving together by the door. And you think, I don't know what their deal is with. Every week they seem to catch people before I do and everybody talks to them more in envy. It sounds silly, but it's so true. Pastor seems to talk about what they do more than me. Pastor seems to talk more about, about this one than he does that one. He seems to pat that one on the back more, and it's an issue. And almost everybody within the church context we call brother or we call sister. And, and you've got to be really careful because it's in the context of a brother and sister relationship that we struggle with envy. And, and, and the Bible gives us clear warning through the story of Naaman. Make sure that you get that flesh under the obedience of Christ. Dip that under the obedience of Christ and make sure that you keep that under his subjection because you're going to struggle with that. And it can be a tripping hazard for you. Envy is an iniquity of a heart that is not seen until an occasion calls it forth. And God, God's most common way of revealing our tendencies to envy is by blessing our brother. You think, man, I got envy. I got envy conquered. I got it conquered. And then all of a sudden you see your brother blessed and you're like, sorry, dog. What's up? It's me and Adina. I'm just trying to put, unpack this, but it's Adina and I not being able to have children. And there is like a children birthing party at our church at the time. Everybody's having kids. Abraham and Sarah are having kids. 
and we can't have a kid. And everything, I'm just going to be honest, I'm just shooting straight with you. I was in Austin, Texas, and we struggled with envy, didn't we, Dina? And we held everybody else's baby and loved everybody else's baby because we were pastors and we had to. But the fact of the matter, we were struggling and we was going, we was feeling envious. I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a struggle between brothers. It's a struggle between sisters. And so it's, it's, and again, so I'm not speaking of just a father like A.B. Keating is my father. I'm talking about a father-son relationship is usually safe. But a brother-to-brother or sister-to-sister relationship is a tough thing. And, when we, when, and, and sometimes that, that, that just is such a unique thing for us. But God can walk us through that and help us to have clean flesh so, the, so that, the, so that the, uh, the leprosy and the sin of envy doesn't eat us away and we start losing who we are in the process when we envy what God has given another, God looks and says, they, they must despise that I, of what I've given them. In other words, I, you know, I look over here and, and I see how God's blessing Kevin and Renee. Oh, my God, they're building a new house. They must be rich. Oh, my God, and, and we've been wanting a house for a long time, and, and, and they're building one. I tell you, I, y'all didn't know this, but they're building a house. <laughs> kind of stuff I'm telling you. And we get envious. And what we're saying is this, is God, I'm really struggling the fact that you didn't bless me with a home. I don't really think you understand what you're doing. And and so we really struggle when God blesses a five talent more than a one talent. And what we'll do is is instead instead of us taking it and saying, God, thank you for one talent, we bury it and become envious of the man with three to five talents. And in the process of what we have, we lose the joy of the one talent. Dear goodness, I've got one talent. But I lose that beauty and, the, and, and looking at my brother and sister and focusing on what they've got. I want to just tell you something. Adina and I are not perfect in this, but I want to just tell you something. We are so happy when you are blessed. You need to work to the point where you get so excited when you see your brother blessed, your sister blessed. You need to, I mean, I don't care if you've got to fake it a little bit. Because sometimes you've got to fake it and make it. That's good right there. And you've got to walk out and say, David Hernsberg, that is the finest truck I've ever seen in my life. And I'm going, dear God, I hadn't had a car, a new car in 10 years. I'm being silly, but, but, but really, I am happy. I love it. I love it. And I, I really, really like your truck. And I really didn't struggle with it. I'm so proud. It does smell good. If mine wasn't paid for and I'd have, you know, I'd go get one because it smelled really good. Do you have any of those things that's new car smell? I'm, I want one. Okay. Welcome to Parkway Life. I can get envious at the five talent. But what I'm saying to God is, God, I think you messed up. I I don't want God to give me a five talent blessing if I can't handle but one. Because my soul is more important than getting another talent or two. And sometimes we try to force God thinking God doesn't know what he's doing and we want a five talent blessing. We want to win the lottery so we can pay your tithes, but you're not paying tithes off the $100 you got blessed with last week. So God can't bless you and give you more. And I don't know how I got on tithing, but it's really good. Because God can't bless you anymore. You can't handle what you've got. But you take that one talent and let God start blessing the one talent. And he sees that you want to see your brother bless and you're doing your best with what you've got. What happens? He starts doubling the talent you've got. But you've got you've to be a good steward of what he gave you. I don't want to be lost at the point of getting five talents. When I can't handle it. And so, envy is a hider. It usually, it, envy generally hides itself in noble holiness. In other words, it always takes this road that, well, you know, it's this envious heart but it comes out 
so holy. Now, I believe in holiness because without it, no man can be saved. I want to be holy as God is holy, and he's got us all in that process of becoming that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the fact of, it's, it's kind of like the Pharisees. They had four issues, four biblical issues of struggling with the Sabbath because they wanted to hang with the law of the Sabbath. And, and they, they, they ran into to Jesus with this and, and began to struggle with the fact. In fact, one of the things, they're walking out through a grain field and Jesus has his disciples walking through a grain field and the disciples reached over and started picking some grain and the Pharisees go off the chart mad. They're literally angry. But they're angry trying to hold to the law of the Sabbath and so they start fussing about it. Now, in the religious world, if you can parallel that, doesn't that sound spiritual? Oh, boy, I'm going to tell you what. These guys are so spiritual, these Pharisees. I love it. They're so spiritual. They're, 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 they're hanging with the law. They want to do everything just perfect, just right. And so when they do that, it's cloaking itself in something, trying to cloak itself with noble holiness. But the fact of the matter is it's just raw envy and pride issues that they're struggling with. It always tries to do that. Let me give an example. And you can take it or leave it. But I, I've, uh, I've been been preaching the gospel for a little while. I've been, I've been in and around church just all my life and uh, been preaching the gospel since I was 18 years old. And uh, man, that's, dude, 28, 38, 40. It's like 30, 31 years. I used to be till, I used to think people were old that was doing that. That just hit me. I'm sorry, I'm working through that envious of younger men. But I used to see, I used to see, um, I've seen a lot of people come in the church and a lot of people in the church watching new people come in and all that process. And it's, it's, it's always, it's sad, but it's humorous in its way because it's, you've, you've, got, you've got people that are, are coming in the church and they're finding new freedom and they're finding new joy and they're finding Jesus and they're coming out of the world and they've got all this baggage on them and then they're coming in the church and they're feeling this freedom of what they should feel, Right? And this, and this joy and this, man, I, I love everybody and everybody's awesome. And, 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 then, and then they sit next to their, their brother in Christ or their sister in Christ. Watch, watch this. And, and I've had more people, and, and, and not nearly at this church that much, but I've seen this in time. So many people struggle with what the new convert is going to heaven with and bless God all their life they've been told, if I do that, I'm going to hell. I'm not talking about biblical, hardcore, this is, you know, you go into the hot spot. I'm talking about stuff that was preached through the years because every denomination, any man-made thing just tends to do this. And it goes back to the Pharisees. It tends to institute laws and things that, that, that were not biblical, but just we started making it. They had, they had so many laws in the Old Testament, it would fill up rooms. Because when you put men start trying to govern the love of God, they try to do it around rules and regulations. And what happens is, as it's come in, that's fine as long as it's biblical. But when it's unbiblical, it becomes laborious. And he said, Jesus talked to the Pharisees and said, you're putting weights on people that you can't even put on yourself. You don't even put them on yourself. But what happens is, in the process of that, they're getting away with something that I was wrongfully, or whatever you want to put it, taught that was, boom, and so I'm ticked off about it. That's called envy. Envious, mad, frustrated. I've seen people just mad about it. And I'm going, you're just like a Christian and you're really ticked off that. Can't you be happy that they were in a bar room and they're in the house of God today? I, I know God's working on some things, but can you just be happy about where they are? But they struggle with it because it looks like their sacrifice is being accepted and theirs not. And they struggle with the process of what's going on. I have yet to have anybody come and leave the church 
and say, this church is just too holy for me. But I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I'm leaving this church because I'm too holy for it. Amazing, isn't it? It's cloaked itself. And I want to be, as the gentle, soft pastor, raise my hand and say, can I make some statements here? But I'm usually not given that leverage or try to spare their soul. But I want to say, I might see a couple things you might want to work on. But are you with me? But in the process of that, I've seen that people get envious. They're getting away with it and, and we're not and we're mad. And if they don't do it, bless God, if they're not made to do it, I'll find me a church that makes them do it. They don't have any guests, but praise the Lord. Are you with me? And so in this process, that's what envy can look like even in the house of God because it's always an issue with brothers and sisters and it can cloak itself with holiness. It can cloak itself with things that look so spiritual and the Pharisees were full of it, but they were the leaders of the church. When a coworker is promoted over you, man, I love it. We're going to pray that you get that job. It's going to be grace. And then they get it. And a little something in your heart goes, what? I got more qualifications. I've been praying. Boom, boom, boom. You can test your heart. God starts blessing those around you, and envy starts to be struggling. What happened? You need to take a trip back to the muddy river Jordan. You got to get under the obedience of God. You got to say, listen, I'm going to come to the presence of God. I'm going to step in his presence and I want to pray that my friend is blessed. And when I struggle with that, I want to recognize it and I want to take a dip that I can have clean flesh. I'm going to put my flesh under the subjection of the spirit of the Lord, under the obedience of God. I want to do that. Is it tough? If it was tough, we wouldn't need to, I mean, if it was easy, we wouldn't need to preach it today. I'm preaching to Christians. I'm preaching to myself. I've got friends of mine. I got friends of mine. The man that preached here last Sunday, Mark Foster, his son, Jeremy Foster, started a church and in three years he's running 20,000. I was raised, we're all, we all know the same things. I remember Jeremy coming to me at camp saying, man, let's meet together and talk and talk about how we can say things more creatively and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, hey, God, I want a bigger church. Why couldn't it happen to me? Now, I'm trying to be funny. But I'm also trying to be honest. And what is your thing that you need to deal with concerning honesty that's there? You think, I got all the talents. I got all the credentials. I got all this, that. Or are we going to step back and take a dip in our flesh because I want my flesh clean because I don't want it in the process. Watch this, watch this, watch this. The, 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 the disciple, I mean, the, the Pharisees, one moment are barking and biting and struggling with envy about the Sabbath. The next moment, in the same chapter, their hearts became hardened against Christ, wanting to kill him, and they're crying out, crucify him. Because if you don't dip your flesh, if you don't cleanse your flesh from envy, you will try to kill what you're envious of. You'll find yourself... What am I? Crucify him. And you're going, what is coming out of me? What am I saying? I'm a leader of the, I'm what? I better move on. Romans 12 and 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Next dip. Are you ready? Next dip. Next dip. Everybody's saying, God, we got to get off of that with it. That dip, I'm telling you, my flesh is clean, Pastor. Get on. Get on. <laughs> Third dip. Third dip. You ready? Third dip. Reasoning. Reasoning. Watch, watch, watch this dude. Watch Naaman. He says, Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, are cleaner. He came to Elisha for healing. And now he's wanting to have a reasoning party 
Well, I think you really should have sent me a bond on Farpar. Farpar, if you look it up, Farpar, I looked this up last night. Farpar was a marsh in his homeland. So he was being very smart aleck when he says this. In other words, I can go the marsh at the house and it's cleaner than this, these people's Jordan, muddy Jordan. This is a nasty mud hole. I could go back and be at the marsh and be clearing this piece of junk. And he's reasoning, this guy came for a healing. And the man of God is saying, this is what you need to do. But he wants to get into a reasoning. He was trying to reason with the man of God's orders. But when God speaks his orders, they must be followed as they were given, even though we don't understand. You're not going to always understand when God says move, when God says Speak when God says, when God calls you to something, you're not going to always understand it. But sometimes we want to reason and figure it. We're in a generation that wants to reason everything. And, 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 I, and I love figuring things out and all that. I'm not talking about that. But we will reason away God. Reasoning usually generates from a lack of trust in God. And if I can figure it out, I can trust it. But if I can't, I'll figure a way around it. I like to make this statement, and you've heard me say it before, but I'm usually, if I don't understand it or I can't control it, I'm usually against it. And I find that in myself because I will reason, reason, reason. And we're in, a, we're in an age of reasoning, reasoning, reasoning. I, I, it's hard for me to understand how, how the, a man can go down in the water and live three days in a fish. I don't understand that. But there's people that have used and reasoned that away and, and to the point that they don't even believe in God anymore. Can I just tell you something? If you've got a God that you can figure everything out about your God, guess what? You may be your own God. You need a God that is so big, that is so magnificent, that every once in a while you scratch your head and say, I don't get him, but I'm going to trust him. I don't understand him. I don't even know why I'm walking this way. I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't understand what I'm up against. I don't understand why this happened. I don't... I don't understand it either. And sometimes as pastor, I want to explain to you and tell you, sometimes I don't understand, but I will tell you this, I'm glad I serve a God that's higher than I am, that's greater than I am, that understands and sees from a different vantage point than I see it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What is human reasoning? It's looking at things from the human perspective and leaving God out of the picture. It's trying to figure out spiritual things on our own. It's looking at the trials of this life with just our physical senses without including the unseen hand of God in the process of it. It's human reason can be assuming, assuming that God sees things just as we see them. And it doesn't happen that way. In fact, look at this scripture. It's Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9. It's a beautiful text. It says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And you can look at that and say, man, that kind of freaks me out. I'm looking at it going, I thank God I got a God that's looking from a different vantage point than me. And some of my prayers that I prayed, oh, thank you, God, that you didn't answer them. Especially when I see that girl now. I've looked back at things that I prayed so hard and I didn't hear anything from God. And all the while, God was working on my behalf. And now I can reason away that He don't hear me and reason away that He don't care for me or reason away that He's not involved. But all the while, He's right in the middle of it and I can't hear Him because He's working all things for my good. But just know and trust Him that He's there. He understands. He's got it. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. My fourth dip, and i got to preach hurrying so you can go get chicken. Here we go. Listen. Fourth dip is this, and it's an odd thing. It doesn't seem like it would be one of them, but it is. The fourth dip that we're going to deal with this week, and then we'll deal with the other three the other next week. But the fourth dip that I think Naaman had to deal with was peer pressure. And if you're going to have clean flesh somewhere, you've got to deal with this. Peer pressure. 
I think the driving factor of his willingness to walk away from the healing is the fact is what are they going to think of me back in Syria? What are they going to think about me back home? I've seen so many people walk away from clean flesh for the reason of peer pressure. It's a, that's always so sad to me when people walk away from wholeness because they're worried about what somebody else is going to think. Joshua 24 and 15 says this, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you serve, whom you're going to serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But then he lays down a gauntlet and says this, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't really care what you think. I don't really care what the homeland's going to think. I don't care what the family's going to think. I don't really care. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to lay down that right as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody has got to make the declaration. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, what about Johnny at your job? I don't care about Johnny at the job. He's not going to be with me in judgment. I'm worried about, I'm concerned about what Jesus wants me to do, how Jesus wants me to serve him, and I'm going to stand up for him. I'm going to live, I'm going to stand like Paul and say, for I am unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to make up in my mind. You can't go through high school. You can't go through college with all the junkets out there trying to to play the cute little game. I'm going to be the most popular person in the room. You're not going to be the most popular in the room serving Jesus Christ. I don't know where you got that from. I don't know what book you read. You've got to stand out. If you're going to make heaven and you're going to be one of the chosen, you're going to also have to step out and say, I'm going to do something different than the rest of the world. I'm going to swim upstream. Joshua said, you do what you want, but we're going to do it God's way. John 12, 42 through 40, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I've seen so many people even walk in this church and feel God and then get so worried about what their family's going to say that they'll walk away from it. I've seen that so much in my last 31 years. Feel God, touched by God. Best thing I've ever been a part of. Loved it. Never felt so much of God. Boom. The process. Because somebody might say, Oh, you went down to Parkway Live? Oh, I heard about those people. They handle snakes. (laughs) If you're a guest today and you heard that, I am so scared of snakes. (laughs) Say I'm unspirit-filled. Well, I don't care what you say. As for me and my house, we're not going to mess with no snake. Is that cool? So I don't know what you heard, but you, you, you heard it from the wrong source. You heard somebody envious of how God's blessing us. <laughs> John 12, 43. Oh, I didn't read the last of that. For, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Look at the message, what, how it says, verse 43. When push came to shove, they cared more for human approval than for God's glory. Man, that's big stuff. Would y'all come help me? I, I, I want you to, to stand with me today. Would you do that? I've, I've just I've taught, preached, teached, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is not one of those messages, you know, probably everybody gathers around front. And, and, but, but, but it's a message. It's a message you can live. It's a message where you get a word, and you got a word today, and this is what you need to do. You've got to go do the following. You've got to go down the muddy Jordan. And everything in my flesh says, I want a healing, but everything in my flesh says, man, for me to get that, I have to bow down to the word of God. I want to encourage you today. There's nobody in this room 
that's too great to not need my God. There's also no one in this room that's too much of a sorry person to not need my God. Every one of us need Jesus. Somebody told me uh, the last week, they told me, they said, Pastor, we're going to come to your church one day, but we, 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 but boy, you better watch out. Roof may fall in. I'm looking at them and I'm saying, man, God's been handling worse than you for years. Who do you think you are? I didn't share that with them, but I did think it. I did think it. You know what I'm saying? God's been dealing with things and loving on people, touching people, encouraging people. You're not the first, but God loves you like you're the first. Oh, I feel the Spirit of the Lord right here. Just turn to a neighbor and just say, did you know he first loved you? When you had your pride, when you had your envy, when you wouldn't want to stand up for him, when you had your little issues, he still loved you. He first loved you. He first loved you. What a God. Now I want you to do this. We've got some police officers in our church, and thank God they've never stopped me and asked me to, you know, raise my hands. But if they did, I'd, I'd say, yes, sir. Anybody want to raise your hands and, and surrender to God for just a minute? Say, yes, sir. I give up. Eat up with pride. Eat up with envy. God, I've recognized it today. Eat up with peer pressure issues. Eat up with this. God, I submit to you. I come to you. I need you. I hunger. I thirst for you. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord. Anybody just say, God, would you let my flesh be clean? Man, I feel a spirit here today. Would you let my flesh be clean here today, God? Would you let my flesh be clean? Would you heal my flesh? God, I'm, I'm, I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. But God, heal my flesh. Create within me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. You see my faults. You see my fallacies. God, we all have those, but we bring it to a loving God that cares for us and loves us enough to talk to us today and encourage us on how to have clean flesh. And so God, dip my flesh in the obedience of your word. I need you today. Somebody just lift your voice and praise that God. Put a praise on your lips. Can you put a praise on your lips? Put it, can you put a praise on your lips? Can you love the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Can you love on him today? He's a good God. He's a good God. He's so good. He's a God that's never changed. He's been